Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. In studio with me is Mary Elizabeth Castle, policy advisor for Texas Values. You have like this big dramatic name, right? It just is like, bang. Mary Elizabeth Castle. I kind of like the, what is it called? Cadence or kind of the, you know, the pentameter. I don't even know what I'm saying. But how it kind of just, I don't know. I like the flow of it. So Mary Elizabeth Good is with us. Good job on my parents, I guess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so she's with us in studio. You know, we're trying to have a little fun. Uh, it's almost Christmas, okay? And there was an article that came out this week. Uh, if you're new to the show, we, we've taped and we, we've had over 200 consecutive episodes of the Texas Values Report. We're excited about that. And you're going to hear about the issues of faith, family, and freedom as they relate to the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media, primarily as it relates to Texas. Uh, Mary Elizabeth, there was an article that came out, I don't know, I think this week or we posted it this week, suggesting that the war on Christmas in Texas had been won. And it was over. And, you know, we do a lot of work on the Christmas issue with the Merry Christmas law protecting the discussion of Christmas and all that stuff in public schools. What would you know? At 1150 last night, okay, I was still awake because I was nursing a couple of sick kids. I get a text message uh, from our general counsel and one of our supporters. There's some story out of San Antonio, Somerset ISD. I don't think it's just a Christmas issue, but it certainly relates to Christmas because there was a Christmas tree, but also some other display that was up uh, earlier in the year. And so we don't even really have all the facts yet, but it seems like a lot of this happened really too quickly. And that's disappointing. Uh, So we're going to have to look into a little bit closer. But, you know, it seems to often happen like the last week. Kids are about to get to school. Some story breaks. And so here we are again. So we're going to have to sort some of that out. And figure out what happens. But, you know, I and not that I think we should oversell things if there's really not any trouble. But, I mean, there's always something going on, it seems, that we're not aware of until it comes out public on these issues. Yeah, that's right. I think we almost made it to the end of the Christmas season <laughs> without something like this happening. But you have groups like the American Humanist Society and FFRF, they're always looking for something, you know, to complain about. And in this story, it's interesting. Like, there was a Christmas tree and a poster that said, in the beginning, God created, you know, the earth, and it has, like, different colored hands on it. So, I mean, they're looking for something to complain about. And it seems like the school really didn't want to take it down either. Yeah, no, there's a quote from uh, Mari Vasquez, who's the district public information officer. We'll be... Uh, posting this on our social media probably after the show or uh, sometime today. But she says at one point, what does she say? A very interesting quote on her part, uh, the school district. We're disappointed with the process because Somerset ISD is a place where we embrace diversity, we're open to dialogue, and we're sensitive to other people's viewpoints. And then she goes on to say, At the same time, Somerset ISD is a place, well, unabashedly, we keep Christ in Christmas. But this display has been here since the first day of school year, and we didn't have a single complaint, so we're kind of shocked. And so uh, we're going to have to figure out a little bit more what's going on here. But it it does sound, I mean, the American Humanist Association, an atheist organization, uh, complained about it. So it sounds like maybe what they're saying is they wish that if whoever had the complaint would have just come to the school district instead of going to this this lobbying or this advocacy group first and and try to address the issue. But nonetheless, it it just at least appears to me at first glance that the school district might have reacted a little bit too soon. 
I might not say too much either because, you know, we've been involved in these court cases before, Mary Elizabeth, and it wouldn't be a surprise if we find ourselves getting involved in another one again. So let's leave it at that. Uh, But it's a little bit different on this issue because oftentimes what you see is a student or an employee who's doing something and then the school district is sort of reprimanding them like the situation in Colleen Mm -hmm. um, with the Charlie Brown Christmas poster. That was a school employee and the school said no to her. We were able to come and help her. Um, You know, Jonathan Morgan with the candy cane case from Plano and a whole host of other issues similar to that. The students that were singing in the choir at Anderson High School, the government telling them they couldn't. We came and helped them on that issue. And, um, and the list goes on on our website. Uh, but just, yeah, you're right, to your point. We almost made it almost through this week. Made it. And, and look, we talk about this as a team because we know this is the last week, this is the last day, really, uh, that kids are going to be in school. I dropped my kids off to school this morning, at least two of them. One of them is down almost for the count. He ha- He's had a tough... Um, uh, stomach bug. And um, that's been on me too. But um, so we know this is that day, right? This is kind of the last day. Kids are going to be out for Christmas break or holiday break, winter break, whatever they're calling it. And so look, if you still have questions, there's a party today and someone gives you a hard time, call or email our office. Uh, we will be working info at txvalues.org, 512-478-2220. MerryChristmasTexas.com is the website that talks about how you can talk about Christmas in public schools. We passed that law in 26, uh, excuse me, 2013, but that was many years ago. There have been a lot of things going on this year okay, that are new, new laws. One of them, Senate Bill 22, we put out a press release yesterday because of some work you did along with our team as it relates to an open records request with the Austin ISD, uh, I want to say city council, we've worked on this so much. Austin Independent School District yes. has been implementing new sex ed curriculum. They tried to use Planned Parenthood curriculum, but Senate Bill 22 prevents that. So you would have thought that they would have looked for some other resource that didn't involve an abortion provider, but they went back to the same well, even though they went to a well a long way from Texas. All the way up in Canada, Alberta Health Services. But the part of the rub here was the school district had said, one of their employees had said that they really didn't have any anything to do with Alberta Health Services, that they didn't contract with them as if, you know, they just went on their website and grabbed free information, you know, leaving you to believe there had been no interaction, no formal agreements, just, you know, all of this was kind of by chance. But what do we find out? Yeah, well, we actually found out not they didn't just go on the website and find these things. They actually had constant communication with Alberta Health Services and not just any type of communication like, oh, can we use your services? Alberta Health Services says if you want to use our stuff, you have to have a formal agreement in order to use it because it's copyrighted. So, again, you see that they're being dishonest about their dealings with Alberta Health yeah. Services. I mean, just to protect themselves, to avoid, I guess, what they feel like is legal trouble. You know, they're being dishonest about, you know, their communication with this abortion provider. Yeah, I mean, they are working together with them, with their permission to do this. There's a, clearly a transaction going on here. And, you know, we, we, um, we were having some fun with this or whatever. Um, I happen to have a very heavy copy and version of Black's Law Dictionary still in my office from law school with your school colors, red and black, that um, could be a great and a very heavy paperweight. You go to the definition of contracts right in there. It says an agreement between two parties, 
And you got two parties here, Austin ISD and Alberta Health Services, and you got an agreement. And so it'll be really interesting to see. One of the things we didn't get in the Public Information Act request was a copy of some actual, you know, if there was some 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 other form that they might have put together of an agreement. But we do have this exchange in emails. And as you and I know, kind of have an offer, an acceptance. I mean, you have this type of transaction. You have this type of exchange between them, making it very clear that Austin ISD was operating based on the rules of permission that Alberta Health Services said would be necessary in order for them to use it. And so they're going to have a lot of questions to answer. But above all of that is really just this continued pattern of dishonesty, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it appears because they don't, you know, they're sensitive to the fact that they're using an abortion provider still to create sex education in public schools. Right, exactly. I mean, that's the whole point. You know, they were trying to not tell people that they had constant communication or an agreement just to hide the fact that they did have that with an abortion provider. So they are sensitive to that fact. And even if we can't find or retrieve the agreement, I mean, they would still be in trouble, right? Because yeah. it's copyrighted material. So Yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and my point is, the question is, if there's like a, if there's a more formal version of something that they may ha- have had to sign, but even if they hadn't, the fact that they had this email exchange is enough to indicate that there's an agreement uh, taking, uh, that they're operating under and it has, um, that they've come to, terms that they've come to, but it'd be interesting uh, to see if, if that's, um, you know, if there's anything else there. That's all I'll say on that point. But that's not the biggest story of this year. Well, it might be one of the biggest stories. It might be one of, one of the biggest stories. We're going to try to do kind of this countdown thing of the, a lot of the biggest stories. So we've kind of been collecting a lot of stories and getting feedback from our team on it. But um, that whole Austin ISD sex ed issue, as far as the second half of the year, Probably one of the biggest stories that we've worked on. Got a lot of national news. Um, you know, a lot of national people were writing about it. Is there a Fox News article? Probably. I mean, I think so. there's just a lot of attention on it because of how outrageous it was. You know, really the the subject matter deal, dealing with anal sex and a whole bunch of other stuff that, you know, is not exactly what I want to be talking about a couple of days from Christmas, but that's a part of what we do. Um, let's go back a little bit to um, for earlier this year. The ban the Bible bills were a big deal, okay? We started off the legislative session earlier this year, and there were all these bills that were filed, sexual orientation and gender identity bills, trying to put those terms in state law, even though they're not together in federal law in this, in this way. Um, they wanted to you know, really try to force it. We've seen a few of these at this uh, local level. We've defeated some of them. But the way they were written, they were so aggressive that they would have punished Bible-believing Christians for just believing what the Bible said. One of them would have not allowed you to use the Bible in your counseling sessions, your private counseling sessions. So they were uh, effectively, and it was um, accurate to call them ban the Bible bills, and that's what many have wanted to do. And so, But we decided when they came out with these bills, you know, sometimes what we do is bills get filed, and it's early in the session, and then you start kind of, you know, seeing if anything's going to move, and then you kind of jump on them and stop them if you need to. We said, you know, we're not going to wait for that. We're going to come out day one and label them what they are and really make a concerted effort to have our messaging be followed and used, excuse me, um, on this, these type of bills. And that's how it turned out. Um, and we were able to, and in part because of our messaging, to defeat every single one of the Ban the Bible bills. Yeah, that's right. Using the ban the Bible bill messaging was not only accurate, but effective because so many people 
were upset that these laws, you know, that were under the guise that they were trying to be, you know, protective were actually a sword and that they would actually punish Christians, not just Christian counselors, but Christian business owners, Christian homeless shelters. I mean, even if you're a Christian boss, I mean, you could face punishment. That sounds like something I heard on a video. (laughs) Speaking of, you got to watch our highlight video. If you want the condensed version of all the stuff we're talking about, we've got a like six or seven minute video, a highlight video. I think it's on our social media. Check it out. 2019 highlight video where uh, Nicole Hudgens, who was a part of our team earlier this year, says what Mary Elizabeth was saying, right? Um, These bills are a sword, not a shield. Really nice uh, way that she made that connection and um, was able to draw upon that imagery, so to speak. But that's exactly what was going on here, and that's what happens. They are used as a sword. They're used as weapons to really hurt people and to punish people, like people like Jack Phillips, the cake baker. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of that came from was a policy that the government put in place on sexual orientation gender identity that was then used against him, trying to force him to create and design a cake uh, regarding a message on marriage that he doesn't support, and this was for his private business. Uh, let's talk about a couple other things because we're halfway through our time and look at some other top stories. I mean, all things Chick-fil-A, if you will, big story this year, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you had a lot of you know, pieces of this uh, soap opera, so to speak, a lot of episodes. Um, I mean, the first big thing was when San Antonio banned Chick-fil-A from opening up a store in their restaurant in their airport. That was a big deal. And, you know, it got a huge amount of, of story coverage and stuff. I remember I was about to go on a plane and we sent out a very quick press statement. By the time I landed, it had blown up. You know, Ted Cruz was on the issue. And so and nonetheless, but then we had legislation, the First Amendment Defense Act that we were working, that we were able to kind of mold to include protection against what was happening uh, in San Antonio on that issue, but also related to licenses, getting scholarships, a whole host of ways that people um, might get attacked by the government or have things withheld from them. But then our Save Chick-fil-A Day was, from our stats, possibly the biggest social media day we've ever had in the existence of our organization. Um, I don't know. what I mean, how did it seem to you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was on the front page of the Dallas Morning News as far as print media. So, I mean, it was a big event. You know, people really came out to support that freedom uh, of religion bill. And like like we said, it's the Chick-fil-A bill, but, you know, it could be Chick-fil-A tomorrow, but it could be your nonprofit. Right. It could be your business or your ministry tomorrow. So this bill is really important about protecting your rights um, yeah. and your beliefs. Well, and how long? We spent a lot of time preparing that for that press conference, didn't we? Yeah. Or maybe not. <laughs> no, I think we, we did. Like three or four days. We did. I mean, this? we had people from all over the country remember, coming to speak. It was yeah. like Thursday or Friday, and we were still kind of on the fence. We were like... Gosh, and it and I and it and we really kind of made the decision really close up to the day because we were yeah. trying to triangulate, if you will, um, when the when the bill was going to be heard and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of and my point is not to say that we didn't really do anything to prepare, just that you know there are some press conferences we have a little bit more lead time mm-hmm. during the legislative session. It can be really tricky, right. so we took a little bit of a risk. Is kind of my point on that. Um, we did some planning, but we took a little bit of risk, and we're like, we're just going to go for it. And it turned out really well. You know, the timing worked out well. We ended up having a lot of people show up. Thank you. So many people that came that day that were a part of that, probably 100, 150 people that stood with us. And we weren't trying to, we didn't need to have such a critical mass, but it really helped with the framing and the understanding and the importance of the issue. And we had a ton of media there. 
You just it's we've had several press conferences at the at the Capitol, and it can be really hard to get a lot of media there if you don't have the lieutenant governor or an elected officials. We had no elected officials at this press conference. We were in that outdoor rotunda, so to speak, as it's called, you know, the smoking section, as some of us refer to it at the Capitol. But um, but that wasn't it. So moving forward, the bill gets um, the bill goes down. It becomes the Save Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Bill, even though it includes a lot of other things. You know, it was kind of a catchy way for people to remember it. The issue was hot. It was timely. It was relevant. And, you know, it was a lot of goodwill for Chick-fil-A. So we had a lot of good things moving. Then the bill gets killed by the liberals, by the LGBT caucus on the House floor. And they were celebrating. Like, they had just won the Super Bowl and who knows what else. And honestly, it you know, it looked like they had good reason. It looked like we were dead. I mean, it was over. But not so fast. <laughs> not so fast. And I think there was a mistake made of playing with the word resurrection, as yeah. the Dallas Morning News did. And guess what? I mean, resurrection's a true story. And so that bill was resurrected in the Senate, I think, with only a day left or yeah, they, a few well, days they, left in really the session. It was really the last yeah. day for bills to get voted out of the Senate. And it did. And then and it took a total of 11 days for it then to go back to the House and really a remarkable amount of time and a remarkable amount of effort. Because at that point, boy, a lot of people wanted that bill to go down right. for a variety of reasons, not just because they were against religious liberty, but because, you know, they just didn't like the fact that um, we were able to, re- you know, bring it back up. And there was a little bit more of they even looked worse. Right. Because the LGBT right. caucus was like celebrating. And then so, you know, I don't remember seeing the left write quite as many stories about how when it, once it passed about, oh, yeah, they weren't you know, so um, correct on the prediction. But nonetheless, we don't have to have all that. We just take the victory and move forward. But then that wasn't it. Okay, the bill passes. We get it signed. There's a lawsuit. Okay, now you got the law in place and some citizens file a lawsuit to tell San Antonio, you got to change what you did. All right. And that was very key. But, you know, and before we run out of time, because I want to just have this um, show be all about that one issue. Chick-fil-A comes out unexpectedly and, and and makes an announcement about their upgraded don- their their uh, current donations, not including Salvation Army, no longer donating to them, which they had been and which had been the subject of the issue in San Antonio, really taking a lot of people by surprise. And then comes to find out there's a report that they donated to the Southern Poverty Law Center, a group that we know viciously goes after Christian and religious liberty groups, including groups like uh, Family Research Council. And just really disappointing, so many of us. Uh, But our point on that, too, one of our bigger points was to remind people, though, while we were disappointed in uh, in Chick-fil-A doing that, and we think that's that's really going to be a difficult thing for them moving forward, and it's a a concern we're going to have, it does not in any way change change the, uh, the effectiveness and the words in the meeting and the application of the so-called Save Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Law, the First Amendment Defense Act. And that's a good thing. So to your point, there could be any business that might get targeted by the government, and that protection will be there for them in the state of Texas. Right. That's right. Like I said, it'll protect, you know, any business. And I don't think the fight for Chick-fil-A is over. I think because of the spirit and the history of their business, yeah. they'll still be attacked uh, for yeah. religious freedom issues. No, so I mean, they're still closed on Sunday. Right. I mean, you know, I, and I'm not trying to, you know— We've we've said what we've said about this. We're very disappointed in the fact that they changed their giving and what that certainly means, whether, you know, it's perception or reality. Uh, But to your point, yeah, we there we do still think there are going to be 
the people are still not going to like them because they're Christian and they're closed on Sunday. Um, if you see me kind of stepping back or whatever, um, and I'm not trying to be too personal with y'all, I've had a very challenging week, okay? It has been up and down for me physically, and so I don't often do this either, but pray for me and my family. I'm just going to say that because it's been a very challenging week, and uh, I got one kid at home that that's sick, and, uh, and the other two, all three of them missed our Christmas party last night, and I've been up and down. I love Christmas, as you might imagine. I mean, all of us do, but and, and I really was looking forward to spending a lot, to- a lot more time with different people this week, and um, and I had to cut a few things off in order to just, you know, keep my rest. And so, if you see, see me taking some deep breaths and drinking some water, uh, I'm just trying to keep myself at about 50% um, as we do one of our last shows of the year. And so, but I appreciate that. And and I just want to take a moment too on that. You know, a lot of travel for a lot of people including members of our team so uh, and our families. So uh, if you have time, just just pray for us. And we don't do that, you know, really, I feel like, and I'll just speak for myself often enough, to ask our supporters to pray for the work we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, I don't know, maybe it was something I ate. Uh, that's what I think uh, happened. But, um, you know, it, it does remind me sometimes of the spiritual attacks that we can come under you know, that can weaken a little bit of our resolve or make us a little bit testy or not have as much energy or strength, Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with resting, but I mean, our work does require a lot of times a lot of focus and concentration. And so just to, you know, another way to remind people, you know, particularly during this time of year, the -hmm. power of prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you can keep that in mind, uh, keep us in your prayers uh, this holiday season. So, okay. A couple other stories. Mm -hmm. We got four minutes left. Um, you know, we could be a little bit local about how we took down, you know, stop the drag queen story hour at Leander. That was a big deal. Yeah. Okay. How Mary Elizabeth rolled into Wimberley ISD and uh, took some people to task and got a ban the Bible bill, a sexual orientation, gender identity bill voted down. I want to, and also not to mention HB 16, the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, very important pro-life bill. One of the things I hear about a lot, though, as it relates to our organization, it certainly relates to when we work on these issues and we get these victories uh, because, you know, they're uh, they're hard to get. Um, I hear a lot about this policy form we had this year. Oh, yeah. It's just really encouraging to hear that feedback. Um, we were in San Antonio a couple of days ago. There were people that drew up from San Antonio. And just as a reminder, for the second year in a row, we had the Texas Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum which is the largest faith and family policy organization or policy uh, uh, convention, I think, now in the state of Texas. We had over 40 speakers. These were elected officials, people that had personal stories. This was on the life issue, religious liberty, marriage and family. We had someone from the Trump administration. We had somebody from the attorney general's office, elected officials, members of our team, really dynamic group of speakers. Ted Cruz was there this year, Chip Roy. Day and a half event. We're going to do this every year. It's usually going to be the first week of September. But what a great event. We had it at Great Hills Baptist Church. You got to be on one of the, uh, and, and moderate one of the panels, Mary Elizabeth. And so I'm trying to think, this was your first one, too, because you weren't with us uh, when we did it last year. Right. Uh, such an exceptional event. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I, I just love to hear it. And, you know, because I get so much good feedback from people on this. Yeah, I mean, there is an impressive amount of attendees there. And I think every single person who I spoke to enjoyed the event. I mean, you could learn so much from all the speakers there. And 
just the quality of the speakers that we had, too. I think people were really moved, and they really wanted to become activated and motivated and what the other word? Educated, and activated. Yeah, yeah. So I think people, you know, felt uh, really inspired by this conference. And I think if you didn't make it this year, you have to make it next year because this is where you learn about the issues. You learn about what's going on, but actually how to become active and, you know, kind of fight some of the battles uh, that we're fighting. Yeah, well, we're going to be two months away from a presidential election in 2020 when that policy forum happens, assuming it's at the first week of September like it typically has been, but is one of the marquee events of the year. So you don't want to miss it. And I think we've got a highlight video or some highlight videos on YouTube. As a matter of fact, while I'm talking about it, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, hit the subscribe button, hit that little bell so you can get our notifications of when we update um, YouTube with new videos. But we've got a lot of great stuff on there. Ted Cruz's speeches on there. Uh, Joe Champion of... Um, uh, Celebration Church that we helped on an issue. And so, look, as we close out, we got about a minute left. You know, I'm told, I looked at some research on this uh, a month or so ago, that we reached uh, over 12 million people um, through social media and other outlets that we have in some of our work. That's a lot of people. Uh, you know, you think about the some of the work we do and the ability to reach people. A lot of that is this radio show. A lot of it is... Um, the different uh, videos that we're doing, the communication stuff that we're putting out, the press releases, all of that stuff. and um, But a lot of it is just people talking about the work we do and sharing it. So share this with your friends. You know, if you're sitting around the, the dinner table or you're, you know, watching a ball game or whatever you're doing on Christmas, you got extra time, tell them about Texas Values. And you might be able to tell them that we're a nonprofit organization. As we roll out the end of the year, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. The only way we're able to do this work effectively, and our budget is collectively over a million dollars with a team of nine, we're looking for a 10th person, is for charitable donations to our organization. And um, they are tax deductible. So go to txvalues.org, make a tax deductible donation today. I got three seconds so we can protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.